Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hear us anywhere, anytime on Alexa or Google Play at Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM and on the iHeartRadio app. Now back to Ian Furness. Welcome into the Virginia Mason Athletic Center on Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM and our simulcast. Fox 13 Plus, Ian Furness, Curtis Crabtree, Aaron Levine, Alyssa Charleston. This is the gang's all here. Final go around, our final simulcast. And we've had a combination of the four of us along the way, but the last show we figured let's get everybody together. This would be the Fox 13 Sports Department. This, this is it. This is it right here, along with our great sports photographer, Steve Schrammick. Not seen here because he's behind the camera up there making us all look as good as can be. And of course, one of us looking even better today dressed up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Levine is anchoring later on tonight. I am. That's in case the there's any question. Yeah, it's, it's a little difficult to bring a couple of uh, outfits with me. I, Alyssa does it very well, though. Uh, I don't Alyssa. know about that. It's because I sweat, so I have to bring like three backup shirts. We're not sweating today. <laughs> no. No, we are, we are not. We, we are definitely not sweating today. Loving it. Uh, I was here this morning for uh, Good Day Seattle. That's our nice morning show on Fox 13 and uh, for those on the radio side. And we were here this morning, and the big story news-wise was thunder and lightning in the area. Aaron, you know that well. You were singing on a tarmac for a yes, couple Yes, I hours. was. For, yeah, about an hour and a half. <laughs> that, there was, nobody was moving. None of the staffers at SeaTac were moving, and they were all shelter in place. So. And uh, as I sat here this morning, our last live shot, I was out in, at about 9.30 this morning, and I, I felt that one raindrop, and then a couple more. And then we heard the thunder and lightning, and I, frankly, I was worried. I, I was wondering, would we actually see practice today? Would there be fans here? And I think, Aaron, you and Curtis and I were here a couple, what, three or four years ago when they actually brought the fans off of the berm and mm-hmm. said, no practice today. Remember that? It was that like, was disappointing it was for a lot of fans. Yes, but we're here today. So we're going to go through kind of everything, kind of a, a little summary. Not that training camp's over, just kind of our simulcast over. And, and uh, Curtis, we'll start with you. Uh, so far from what you've seen. Put it in a little summary. What have you seen so far in training camp that's jumped out at you? What have been your general impressions of what you've seen? I don't think there's much separation from the quarterbacks yet. I think the running back position looks really interesting. Cornerback spot looks good, too, when it's healthy, which it's not right now. Sidney Jones and Artie Burns are both dealing with injuries at the moment. But the two rookies look like they're both going to be able to play. Kobe Bryant probably sooner than Tariq Woolen, but both those guys look the part. Um... And then beyond that, I think I'm really eager to see just how this scheme starts to come together defensively with the changes that they've made there and what that's going to look like when they start playing games because that's going to change the way they try to pass rush and what they might be able to get out of it. We'll dive into those topics and those individuals a little deeper in a minute, but Aaron? Yeah, I mean, what Curtis said, two of those topics, quarterbacks and cornerbacks, because there are so many injuries right now at the cornerback position, I think it's very intriguing to watch Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant get a lot of play with the ones right now, and could those two rookies potentially break into starting roles this upcoming season? I think Kobe Bryant certainly has a better uh, possibility of doing so. And then the quarterbacks, I mean, I know that Pete Carroll came out and said that Geno Smith's going to be the starter for the opener of the preseason. I think that's the right call. Why? Because Geno Smith is the incumbent. He has the respect of the locker room. He's been here many years. And you remember, when Russell Wilson was a rookie who started those first couple of preseason games, it wasn't him. 
Okay, it was it was Matt Flynn. So and Russell ultimately won that job. So if Drew Locke is going to be the starting quarterback on this team, he's going to have to win that job during the preseason. And I think you know over the first week or so, he's probably been a little bit better than Geno. But one week does not make an entire preseason going into a, a regular season. Uh, Alyssa, my how things have changed over the years. <laughs> uh, it was and no, they remain the same. Quarterback was always the focal point here. So was cornerback and defensive backs, and we're right back to that again. Yeah, and what Aaron's talking about is what we've kind of mentioned yesterday is that Drew, Drew Locke has to go out and prove it, but several times in practice and then in a game, preseason game. That's why I'm more excited than ever for preseason games because we actually have something to learn. Especially that second one at Lumen Field. Absolutely. It's on Fox 13. It's on Fox 13. The other thing is, is that there's just a – bit of a different energy and I've even talked to people within the Seahawks organization without Russell Wilson without Bobby Wagner here you're forcing younger guys to step up you're seeing more personalities because the focus media wise I mean we're not just talking about Russell Wilson it seems like almost every preseason or every training camp Russell Wilson finds a way into the main headlines and obviously we're still talking about quarterbacks but at least it's two different guys and I think it's interesting that it just seems like we get to hear more stories about more guys because more leadership is emerging from different positions like Daryl Taylor. We talked about him too, his explosiveness and he looks different. There's a lot there's a lot of different stories. Let me go back to the quarterbacks and let's let's kind of jump into that for a second. Aaron, how much of Matt Flynn, Geno Smith, <laughs> Russell Wilson, Drew Locke outside of the fact that Russ was drafted? How much do you see in terms of a parallel? I see a huge parallel right there. I mean, I think just because Matt Flynn came in and everybody sort of expected him to be the starting quarterback week one, I think you gave Geno Smith the edge to be the quarterback starting week one because of his experience. We've heard it all offseason long that Geno is ahead of Drew. Why? Because of his familiarity with this offense. And so Drew has to catch up. The fact that he's been able to catch up to the point where they're almost splitting reps with the ones right now in practice is a really interesting sign and probably a nod toward Drew's possibility of starting week one with this team. What, do you, guys, what do you guys all think that, that Drew Locke has to do over the next? And it's different because Russell started game three in the preseason in 2012. There are only three games now, and so I don't even know, Curtis, how they, how they approach it. We'll, we'll just go all the way down the, uh, uh, down the horn here. What does Drew Locke need to do to be the starter? I think he needs to have a game in the preseason, a, a game where he is showing some really upside potential. Um, that's going to be something that's going to really stand out. And exactly what that's going to look like, I mean, look at the Hall of Fame game last week and how many players sat for Jacksonville. Like, it's still going to be tough to gauge because who are they going to play against? That's that's going to be one thing to yeah. keep an eye on with the opponents that they're going to see here. What, what tests are they actually going to get from Pittsburgh, Chicago, Dallas over these three games? Who do they actually see on the other side of the field? Are they going to see a Jalen Smith? Are they going to see a Roquan Smith? Are they going to see – Well, they're not going to see Roquan. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah, because of the trade. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like, right. I don't know who they're going to see and how it's going to all match up. But, like, if you go out as Russell did in Kansas City yeah. and go take it, it's going to be on the table there. And you're talking about the comparison and the parallel. It's exactly what Russell did in Game 3 of that preseason against Kansas City. I also think Drew Locke has to take care of the football. I mean, that has yeah. been the knock on him for all of these years when he was in Denver. He's going to try and make things happen, but when he does that, don't give the ball up because that is the number one rule for Pete Carroll. It's all about the ball. You have to take care of the football, and if he gives it up a couple times in a – you know, not so in a sloppy fashion. Then that's certainly going to be points against him going forward. Wait, wait, give me the give me the the visualization. What is it, Alyssa, that you would see? Like, paint the picture of Drew Locke, as these guys said, 
winning this quarterback battle sometime over the next four weeks? I think you have to see him make the decisions that Pete Carroll wants to see out of him. And he's kind of said it himself in the press conference is that uh, the last time he talked to the media was that he needs to prove that he's not just going to take these long shots and kind of that turnover possibility that he had sometimes in Denver where he is just, you know, long-balling it and shooting for the mountains and, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the Napoleon Dynamite reference, but Uncle Rico. <laughs> Rico. Uncle Rico not trying yeah. to be Uncle Rico yeah. and checking down. And, and he said he's getting more of a feel for that and he's getting more of a feel for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I think when you see connectivity he has a driver too where it's just like oh my goodness how can you not put him back on the field and he has some excitement to him um that is what it looks like and to a to an extent a little bit of a, a guy that reads the teleprompter you know like ron burgundy style he's not going to go off script to, <laughs> to this extent you know that didn't work out very question. well for ron burgundy yeah. i'm just saying <laughs> to a fault to a, to a fault he's not going to do that exactly so but just somebody that pete carroll can trust quickly and trust early because geno smith has that right now even though he did have some turnovers last year right drew locke's got to prove that he can make the good decisions uh, aaron you're kind of a big deal and uh <laughs> <laughs> and, just the mahogany and spoke but it all you know for 10, 12 years, you did one-on-one interviews every week with Pete Carroll. Nobody yeah. talked to him more than you did. And I, I go back to that, the, the turnovers. Buffalo game in 2020. You had to talk to him the following week. Yeah. I still I still think that's where the relationship with, with Russell went south because Pete was sideways with what happened in that game. And as gregarious as he comes across in every press conference for the most part, you're behind the scenes with him. When he's That drives him nuts. Like, it is crazy how upset he gets over any kind of turnover. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that was the week where Russell went into the offensive meetings reportedly and said, hey, we want to do this, this, and this, and he was pretty much shut down because of all the mistakes that were made in the Buffalo game. Right. And there's a reason why he was shut down. It's because coming off of a game like that, it proved Pete's point is that you might be (laughs) gangbusters gangbusters the first four, five, six weeks of the year, but when you're going to take chances like that and make mistakes like that and we're going to lose games, that's not the way I want to lose games. No. Curtis? Well, look, if Steph Curry started shooting, you know, three-pointers from his own free-throw line, at some point (laughs) Steve Kerr is going to put him on the bench. Like, you know, same kind of idea with Pete Carroll. Like, when Russell starts making – when you started making those kind of plays to get off script and, you know, force the issue a little bit too much, like there had to be a rain back there, raining him in a little bit. And – I don't think Russell wanted to be reined in. No. And, and that kind of led to where things went. Well, now you have two quarterbacks that he can rein in yeah. because they don't have that kind of juice. They don't have that. They, they just don't have that. I mean, and neither, neither guy has earned that type of ability. So we'll see that starting this week. We'll also see a new-look offensive line. And I think, Curtis, that's a really interesting point. And maybe even a new guy in the mix because I heard Phil, names, Phil Haynes, who's been here forever. I think he's been here as long as we've been here. Uh, has never really earned a starting job, but now he's competing for the guard spot. But more importantly... Do you think we're going to see two? Well, we'll see one. Do you think we'll see two rookie tackles this season? I think there's a good chance of it. Yeah, I think Abe Lucas is fully in that mix now to start at right tackle as we push towards these preseason games. It's going to be between him and Jake Curran. I think for the job, I I don't think Stone Forsyth is going to be there at the end. Um, When it comes to the guard spot, there is a scenario where Phil Haynes, who has dealt with his own injuries over the last couple years, pushes Gabe Jackson to such an extent that they can't keep him off the field and they make a veteran decision on Gabe Jackson. Could that happen? Yeah, I don't know if it will because having that depth would also be really nice to have. But um, the two rookie tackles could be very pivotal for them. If Charles Cross can come in and be a guy, uh, bookend left tackle, 
combined with a good piece on the right side too, that could be a very nice thing boost for this offense. Is it what have we seen more of over the last decade? Right tackles for the Seahawks since Breno Giacomini, or left fielders for the Mariners? <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, flip a coin. <laughs> right, Aaron. I mean, yeah. I, but I think they want Lucas to win that job, don't they? They drafted him in the third round to win that. Yeah, job. I mean, he's he's the future right tackle. Jake Kern though is a fantastic right tackle, and the way that he played last season was very commendable. And I was on the defensive when it came to the Seahawks offensive line. I spent the last two days at home in Los Angeles, and my, my mom was like, ooh, Colin Cowherd says that the Seahawks offensive line is going to be absolutely atrocious. And so I was defending this line. Why? Because, well, yeah, I understand you have two rookies potentially starting at left tackle and right tackle, and the future is incredibly bright, but it, you are throwing these guys into the fire very early on. They're going to make some mistakes, and they're having to, uh, you know, they're having to block for, for guys that <laughs> – that aren't necessarily the best quarterbacks in football. Right. Let, let Mama Levine know, though, that said mm. talk show host also says Sam Darnold was going to the Hall of Fame. He's not even going to start <laughs> this year. Uh, so not always correct. When we come back, Alyssa, we want to talk about the running game. Kenneth Walker, we had a chance to talk to Rashad Penny yesterday. Also, we'll go to the other side of the football. What we're going to look for in the final couple of weeks heading into the preseason on the defensive side. When our coverage con- uh, continues, our simulcast, 93.3 KJRFM and Fox 13 Plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Now back to the VMAC for Seahawks Training Camp. Brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino and First Tech Federal Credit Union. On your home for the 12th man, Seattle Sports Radio 93.3, KJRFM. It's game week in a sense for the Seahawks, at least preseason game week, if you want to call it a game week. I don't know. We call it a game week? Yes. Yeah. Well, sure. Okay. We've got a quarterback competition. It's game week. And you know what? <laughs> when you've watched nothing but football practice so far for the last couple of weeks, it's definitely a game week. Alyssa, uh, we had a chance yesterday, Aaron, to talk to Rashad Penny, who is going to be the lead back, we assume, but he's going to have some competition there. I know you had a chance to talk to Kenneth Walker. Yeah. The first thing I asked him, is it Kenneth or is it Ken? And he said Ken. You can call him okay. Ken. Okay. That's so. actually that is good to know. Yeah. Ken Walker. Ken Walker. The so third? Seahawks fan. Ken Walker the third. He well, I think he likes that part. I just didn't even ask him that part. <laughs> Follow up question. I should have asked. Dang it. Well, and start drafting your tattoos for all Seahawks fans. Ken, not Kenneth. Um, the first thing that I remembered from Rashad's interview that he kind of gave us insight into Kenneth Walker is that he hates losing. And Rashad actually said, "I wish I had more of that in me when I came into the league." He was that competitive. And Ken says he got, got that from his dad. And when I asked him about you know the physicality, the speed of the NFL game. He was so nonchalant. He's like, no, I feel like I fit in. Like, I feel like it's 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 been an adjustment, and I respect this side of the game, this this league, but um, it hasn't been anything that's insurmountable. And he's made it clear in that mock scrimmage, his explosiveness, his ability to break tackles, and his lack of fumbling. Remember when he was drafted, we all were talking about the, the longest streak in college football that he went without fumbling the ball, right. like 315 snaps at Michigan State and spanning back to his Wake Forest days. You know Pete Carroll loves that because we were just talking about turnovers. So he's really excited. He's second on the depth chart. 
technically, um, and it looks like he's going to be kind of a one-two punch with Rashad. Pete, Pete Carroll wouldn't like the fact that we've talked about the offense for 17 minutes either. I don't think <laughs> True. He'd be a little upset about that. Aaron, uh, speaking of guys who made the transition, Kobe Bryant uh, with the C, by the way, uh, as we're going through names, Kobe Bryant with the C, he's made that transition. I mean, he just looks every bit the part of a starting corner. Well, look at all the rookies that we're talking about in general. I mean, this, is, yeah. this season is going to be a trial by fire if you're going to put a lot of these guys in in starting positions. But Kobe Bryant, from, the, from day one, I mean, he had a chip on his shoulder. Why? Because he was overshadowed as not even the top cornerback at his own college. Uh, he was the Jim Thorpe Award winner, but everybody saw the other guy as going high, which he did go higher in the draft so he was sort of overlooked in that regard and I think he brings that kind of grittiness and wanting to prove everybody wrong here and I love the fact that he's getting runs with the ones because he's going to be able to prove himself a little bit more this preseason uh, for, for a decade plus Curtis and I have played a game called roster roulette usually we get to it a little earlier in camp we haven't done so yet but let me just ask you about you know depth chart roulette for a second Kobe Bryant starting corner for Seattle this year in fact what would you say health Let's just assume everyone's going to be healthy. The corners are a little banged up right now. All things being equal, everyone's healthy. Is Kobe Bryant a starter, and if so, who with? I think he'll start at some point. I don't know that he'll start right off the get-go. Because Sidney Jones has had a good camp, too. And Kobe has mainly been on the left side where Sidney's been playing. So I think the starters week one are probably Kobe Bryant and Artie Burns, if they're healthy, uh, with Kobe Bryant. Uh, I mean, Sidney Jones, Jones and, and uh, Artie Burns. With Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolens, the backups at both those spots. I think both of them could end up starting at some point this year. And Kobe has looked like if if Kobe started game one, I don't think they'd bat an eye at it. Like, I think they'd feel totally comfortable throwing him out there and, and not worry at all about what kind of performance he would bring to the table. I think he's as starter-ready a you know, rookie cornerback has come in here, more so even than Shaquem Griffin, who did it right. in that first game in Green Bay. Um, I think he'll be ready to go one way or another. I think we tend to forget Richard Sherman didn't start game one. Did not. No, but you know what? It's funny because I make the comparison with Sherman. It's always bad to make a comparison to a potential future Hall of Famer like Richard <laughs> Sherman with one of these rookies, but more so with Tariq Woolen. Why? Yes. Because Woolen is the converted wide receiver going – and I don't know how much – played what texas a small school in texas right yeah. and he didn't play in a pac-12 school like stanford where where richard sherman was but that transition is not exactly easy but it also means that he has a higher upside and so you're talking about a freak and athletically in Tyreek to rick woolen uh to be able to make the transition like that convert himself from a receiver to a cornerback position i think there might be a high upside with him maybe a starter role like Sherman did, replacing Marcus Trufant in the middle of his rookie year. And I thought it was interesting that it was Tariq Wollin and not Kobe Bryant in that mock scrimmage when Sidney Jones, we found out he had concussion symptoms. It was Tariq Wollin that made the start with the ones on defense. So he, I think Pete Carroll has said he's like a dream in terms of what he'd want to coach. Six foot three, six foot four. He stands out on the field, right? And he's super fast. Pete Carroll has said he keeps up with their fastest guys. But when in, you're talking about Kobe Bryant, Yesterday, we saw him keep up with DK. When DK does this, like, crazy machine-looking, like, stutter step, Kobe Bryant stops at the same time. Like, I was kind of, like, slowing it down because it was so impressive. He's going against one of the best and most athletic wide receivers in the league. Like, hands down, DK is top ten right there, right? And to have that those daily reps against a guy like DK, what better way can you prepare for NFL games than that? And he's, he's staying, keeping a humble attitude. Obviously, he'll get tested in real-game scenarios, but... It's going to be really interesting. Tariq Wollin and Kobe Bryant are impressive. The uh, quote that Pete Carroll had on Tariq Wollin yesterday, he's just as talented as you could hope to get. I've never had a guy that has more than he does. I've never seen a guy better equipped to take it, and he makes it look easy at times, and that's a really good trait. You know, there's, there's so many things to look forward to this season. I think even though maybe the expectations outside of the Virginia Mason Athletic Center aren't big, 
There's a lot of things. We just went through a rookie class that could compare to some of those, you know, 11, 12, 13 rookie classes when it's all said and done. I mean, I'm not saying there's Hall of Famers out there, but. This Let's is, hope it's 11. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but there's an opportunity here for a lot of guys to make an impact. We come back. We'll wrap things up on our simulcast. We'll stay with you on the radio side, by the way, all the way until uh, 1.40 today with our group. But on the TV side, we'll come back. Some final thoughts, getting you ready for preseason game number one on 93.3 KJRFM and Fox 13+. plus. Now back to the VMAC for Seahawks training camp. Brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino and First Tech Federal Credit Union. On your home for the 12th man, Seattle Sports Radio 93.3, KJRFM. I always like uh, training camp MVP, mini camp MVP. That's what we do when we watch football practice until the real game starts. <laughs> Is it not? That's what we do. I mean, we're out here every day and, and watching practice after a while. The repetitions kind of get old. You look for storylines. But but let's just – there is a guy that kind of has jumped off the page, and whether you're talking to players on the offensive side of the football or coaches, Curtis, one of those – the guy that I think everyone's the breakout player this year might be number 52, and that might be uh, Daryl Taylor. He's quick, man. Like we saw the mock game on Saturday, he is coming off the edge super fast. And, again, it's practice. They can only go so hard this time of year, but, like, it, the, you talk about eye test, oh, man. Like, the speed looks like it's up a notch for him, for it's, sure. It's good news, bad news. I mean, the fact is is that no one's been able to block him. That's that's the good news on the defensive side. The bad news is your tackles haven't been able to block him no matter who's out there. <laughs> well, it's the same kind of question we had about the offense, like the first week in camp, right? Okay, yeah. is the defense just really, really good, or is the offense look really scruffy? And it's probably a little bit of both, right? Like, at the time, the offense has come along since then. But in the same regard, like, the offense, the tackles are having trouble with him because he might just be that good. Like, and, and you know, as these guys are coming up to speed, sure, they're going to have their issues, but he's won some a lot of one-on-ones against guys in camp. It's fun to watch some football. Uh, we're eight days away from the second preseason game, which you can see on Fox 13, Aaron. The Chicago Bears will be in town. That game and the other preseason games. Guys that you were really excited to watch, focused in on. We know the quarterbacks, but some of the things that you've seen out here, what do you want to see? Let me quickly talk about Daryl Taylor also because I hope, just like you just said, that he is as good as advertised this season because when have they had a dominant defensive lineman rack up a whole bunch of sacks in the last couple of years? I mean, two years ago, it was Jamal Adams. And they need Daryl Taylor Frank Clark to was be the last the DN to get double digits. There you go. So, wow. so that would answer that question, is, is that Daryl Taylor needs to be the guy this year, and he needs to rack up double-digit sacks. I just think that... Yeah, that's that's at the top of my list. Yep. Yeah, that's what that's who I'm going to be looking at to answer your question in terms of these preseason games. Can he put it on the field? Can he be that leader? And because when you're in the position that he was in last year, what was really his quasi rookie year, his first year out there, there's less pressure on you. You're kind of looking to exceed expectations, but right now there's some expectations on him, not just in terms of vocal leadership, but physical leadership, and I loved Clint Hurt's quote about him, saying he's just got something extra to him. We saw him start a little bit of a scuffle with DK Metcalf. Uh, He said, you can't just be ice cream and strawberries. He's got something extra to him. He said another word that we can't really say on TV, but something and vinegar. That's what Daryl Taylor brings, and you can see it. He's got a smile on his face. He's a really generous guy. We did some charity uh, Mm -hmm. interviews with him last year when he was working with kids, but he's 
maybe the next franchise guy on defense that I think that people can rally around because Jordan Brooks is very quiet at the linebacker. Strawberries spot. and ice cream underrated. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> uh, this is our last simulcast. Real yes. quick, though, we have a special coming up tomorrow. Yes, we do. Tomorrow night, following the Field of Dreams game on Fox 13 when they're out in the Iowa cornfields playing baseball. It's a really <laughs> special night. They debuted it last year, I believe, and then so this will be the second go-around, and right after that game, we'll have a full-hour uh, special previewing what's coming up in the preseason and taking a look at the last couple of weeks of training camp. Ken Walker, story from you. I've got one on Will Disley coming back from injury, and more importantly... The new mustache. <laughs> yes. It's got a little And I cut up theme. with Jordan Brooks as well. So we got a lot coming up. That's tomorrow after the Field of Dreams game. That'll do it for our simulcast. Radio, stay with us. Go nowhere on 93.3 KJRFM. We're with you up until 140. In fact, all the way till 3 o'clock today. But on television side, we'll see you later. And don't forget, tune in tomorrow night on Fox 13. All right, we said goodbye to uh, television again. We're still here. Just, we're now still you can say this we're, sti- we're still here. I, everybody starts slouching. I, everybody, everyone <laughs> slouch, kick back. <laughs> Shramik can break down the gear. I could take out the little IFB. Yeah. I just turned our producer off in the middle of a sentence that she was saying. Love you, Shannon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening on the radio... Ian is listening to two producers at the same time. He's got the TV side and also the radio side. Yeah, I think this is so we've kind of figured this out. We did this for the first time when we had uh, the draft coverage, but that was even different because I had those two and I had Aaron standing there who I couldn't hear tossing to me. So it was, but we, this has been fun. I think it's been. It's, we're excited. We're doing. We should mention and we're doing a lot this year together. I say together, the radio station and the TV station. For Curtis, you never did really leave KJR, apparently. Apparently <laughs> not. No, I'm a pivot person between everything. <laughs> as, as am I. But we're doing, we got a lot of things in the works, a lot of, th- a lot of planning, a lot of different shows coming up. Because people ask, I'm sure they ask you all the time, Aaron. They ask every time I see somebody out here to Seahawks, what are you guys doing? What's going on with the with, – I said, you're going to tune in on a Sunday and – what was it, 14 games are on Fox 13? That's the only thing, really, that has changed this year is the number games. of games. We have more games <laughs> on Fox 13. We have more games, and you're going to tune in, and you're going to see myself and Alyssa and Aaron and Jordan, and we're going to do what we always do, right? So it's, it's you know, maybe the gloves might be off a little bit this year, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, but on the on the TV, on the radio, TV side, it's going to look the same. On the radio side, certainly. Let's go back a couple things. The, the as We've kind of gone through this training camp. And watched as as things have developed. Uh, the quarterback thing is still fascinating. And I love it, Aaron, because we discussed this a little bit yesterday. I want to go back to it. Those first two preseason games in 2012, Matt Flynn wasn't good. And and he showed that, I guess, if nothing else, had a ceiling, mm-hmm. right? Like, had a ceiling, and he didn't get past that. And yet then we saw Russell kind of flourish. He ran the ball. People may forget this. Russell used to run. Like he, <laughs> Not last year. Like, like 32-yard <laughs> touchdown run in the first game that he played. I think he had 53 yards in the third game. I mean, he ran the ball. But, man, this feels like 2012. At least it could be preseason game-wise. If Pete, he's going to start Geno, does he start Locke week two? Yeah, I think that. We have to temper expectations. Drew Locke's not going to go out there and play like Russell Wilson did in Game 3 of that preseason against the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think he's going to go out and be gangbusters. But he has to do enough to show a consistency 
a, a an ability to not only take care of the football, but also make some plays when he has to make plays. Pete Carroll's offense is always predicated on moving the chains, completing balls on third down. Third down conversions is number one, especially when you're running the ball so often on first and second down. So if Drew Locke can do those things and complete more passes than Geno Smith, I just feel like he has to be overall a little bit better than Geno to win this job. It's not going to be one of those situations where Russell has to really outplay Matt Flynn to win the day one job in week one, it's that he has to be a little bit more consistent and show a little bit more this preseason. Than Curtis, did, did Flynn lose the job as much as Russell won it? it Flynn didn't take the job enough to where Russell could, That's probably, okay, is the yeah. way I, I look okay. at it. Like Flynn, Flynn played okay, but he left the door open and Russell busted through it. And so like I think the mock game actually provides a decent example of what this could look like because like Gino goes out and has a nice opening couple drives, gets a touchdown field goal drive out of it, and then the offense just kind of stagnates. And if that's kind of how the preseason goes too, where Gino does some things, but, you know, the offense doesn't continue to pop and, you know, produce when he's out there on the field, and Drew shows that little bit extra more. Like, I don't think that – I think we talked about it yesterday. The statistics of the mock game were a little bit more skewed than it actually was. Like, I think it was fairly close with Drew having a slight heads up. But, yeah. like – if Gino has that kind of a preseason where he has a drive or two here or there but doesn't really do, you know, a ton to go out and grab it like and leaves the door open, that's how Drew will have a chance to go get it from him. And Drew also has a little bit more experience in terms of preparing as a starter before seasons than Gino has, especially more recently. Uh, Gino, it's it's hard to get out of that groove when you've been the backup for so long. That's a great point. He has to come out here, face pressure. Last year in his three starts, I know it's a tiny sample size, but in his three starts, he had a quarterback rating of 131, completion percentage of 92% when he wasn't facing pressure, when he wasn't being pressured. When he was, and I know this is pretty universal, that you're obviously going to be a lesser version of yourself when giant guys like Daryl Taylor are coming at you. 26 quarterback rating was his that was what it dropped to when he was facing pressure. So I think it's not so much when you're talking about um, Flynn going out and losing the job. I think it's whether Geno Smith shows that he can handle that pressure decently enough to get them some wins. I think Pete Carroll is going to be watching that heavily. And if he puts Drew Locke out there and Drew Locke is maintaining calm and making good decisions, good enough decisions to keep them in games and their defense can get some turnovers, um, it, he might not just be Mr. Right Now, which is what people are kind of talking about. Like, will he be the answer next year, too? Can he – one of them prove to be that. Aaron, it's, what Alyssa said there about the about the, the reps, though, in practice and training camp, yeah. I, I didn't really thought about that as much as – because, man, there's no doubt that Russ was a guy that, you know, I mean, he, he just kind of – he had the market cornered in reps for the last decade, right? Yep. You know, and Geno Smith, I don't even know what the split was last year, but it's like, it, yeah, like Geno's in a whole different world. Since he was in where Curtis, probably the Jets or maybe, yeah. right? The Jets? Yeah, it like de- he, definitely with the Jets. So he's getting starter reps in training camp. That's not something he's used to. No, at all. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. am I going to do with all these reps? <laughs> I'm usually sitting back here. It's about time to get some <laughs> arm fatigue, isn't it? You know, get a little arm fatigue like Matt Stafford. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but Alyssa talks about a small sample size with Geno Smith last year and the three games that he started for right. the Seahawks. I go back to Drew Locke's rookie year and talk about a small sample size, the four games that he started for the Broncos. He was 3-1 and one as the Broncos starter yep. in a offensive system that he was the most comfortable with his entire time in Denver. After that, COVID hit and all the other things new happened. offensive coordinator. New offensive coordinator. Yeah. So he's now back in, a, in an offense here in Seattle that resembles 
what he had his rookie year in Denver more than the last couple of offenses that he's been in in Denver. I'm kind of curious how he can do with this offense, and will he reflect some of the things that he showed going 3-1 and one as a rookie in, in, in Denver in December? Is there any part of you, Curtis, that thinks that the, the quarterback play can be good enough and the defense will be good, that this team can compete for a playoff spot, that in December we'll be playing – meaningful games in this and they didn't play meaningful games in god when was it probably from thanksgiving on last year right is that about right sounds about right yeah can they be playing meaningful games can that quarterback play be good enough with the rest of the elements do you think yeah if the running game's there and and the defense is solid like i think either one of the quarterbacks i'm bullish on the defense i think the defense has a chance to be pretty good yeah i do too like exciting if it is and the running game is there to complement it I think either one of these quarterbacks can play at a requisite enough level to keep them interesting. One might be able to bring you more than the other at the end of, end of the day, and we'll see how that kind of progresses here. But, I, I mean, I, I kind of said it like this. I, I think they're going to win seven games out of pure stubbornness, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, to just, you know, because there's a lot of prideful guys on this team still. Like, just because, you know, some of those stars, Russell, Bobby, KJ, those guys aren't here anymore. Like, there's still guys that don't want to go out here and lose. Well, yeah, everyone everyone defines a rebuild differently, right? Like, I mean, how like, – because that seems to be the word that, you know, you're not supposed to say around here, but it's the it's the word that the rest of the country's using with Seattle while they're rebuilding. Well, they don't have a quarterback, right? They don't have a quarterback. But there's a lot of teams right now that are kind of like, who's really our quarterback? But they have a lot of other good pieces in place. And so if they can find a guy that's adequate, you know, I, I didn't almost go as, like Jared Goff adequate back in the day. <laughs> you know, with yeah. the Rams, right? Like he was at, they were so, now, I don't see Aaron Donald out here. But, Aaron, if they have a guy that's adequate at that position, there's enough other pieces here that, that they could be pretty good. I, in no circumstance could I ever see this team going 4-13 and 13 this year. I just can't Neither. comprehend a team that has this many pieces. Outside of catastrophic injuries. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like so catastrophic So injuries, when Curtis yeah. says seven games out of mere stubbornness, I think, you know, six or seven games is sort of the floor on the team and they could kind of go up from there and there is potential to win and, and potential to compete for a playoff spot at the very least. I think that would be the upside to this team is competing for a playoff spot when everybody is doubting them and there are certain polls out there that have them ranked 32nd in the league. And that's why I say left tackle is so, so important. How can Charles Cross perform? Because that's going to dictate some of the run game. That's going to dictate a lot of the protection, how comfortable Geno Smith and Drew Locke feel. Charles Cross has a big job in front of him this year. Dwayne Brown we saw the frustrations he had with Russell last year, and it's going to depend on how, obviously, the quarterbacks make decisions and all those things, but I think the Seahawks have to have an elite running game if they want to make the playoffs this year. And the other guys, Chenna Nwosu, that we haven't really talked about much, he's looked really good. Can he and Daryl Taylor, because the high expectations are there for Daryl Taylor, right? Right. No doubt. Can he and Uchenna Nwosu kind of dominate, strike some fear into quarterbacks? Um, because right now, I don't want... I don't want to be standing across from Daryl Taylor. I don't, nobody does. I mean, um, <laughs> I think ahead. same thing with Chenna Nwosu. If he can prove that, um, and he had the same defense carryover from the Chargers. He was in three four last year, right? So it's similar for him. Those two are going to be important too. Could the Arizona situation fall apart pretty quickly? Well, yeah. I was could, Trey, could Trey Lance not be that oh, dude in San Francisco? Yep. Yeah, Curtis, I was, I was right there. I was just going to ask you. Would you? I mean. I think those two teams are really interesting. Like Arizona's a dumpster far waiting to happen. <laughs> like, like I don't. You can spin it however you want. You put a clause in your quarter, your franchise yeah. quarterback's oh. contract that he doesn't study enough. 
Like, you don't put that in there unless he's, unless there's an issue. Well, and <laughs> Kingsbury had a comment here like three, four days ago saying, yeah, I had Kyler call the plays today because I wanted to show him oh. it's actually hard. Yeah. It's like, well, what? He's what do you do? He's your franchise quarterback. <laughs> this fighting. is the thought process you have on the guy? He actually used some more colorful language yeah. to describe that. Yeah, which is basically he was bashing his franchise quarterback. And then my, <laughs> we'll have him on tomorrow, I think, uh, my buddy John Lund from KNBR. Like, Trey Lance is – that's not a good situation right now. Now – we saw a flash or two from him here or there, but there's not a quarterback in this league that probably doesn't show you a flash. Trey Lance, to me, is an unpolished Colin Kaepernick right now. Like, early, like, he's got the tools, but yeah. it's not put together like Colin was coming out of college. No. And so, well, like... Colin played at a higher level. There's yeah. nothing else. I mean, he played yeah, at a higher level. And, le- and he played. And he, he played games. Actually, yeah, he really played <laughs> more games. Yeah, because, I mean, we were talking about a guy that, in, in Trey Lance, had played the, what, the one game... Didn't play at all last year until the Seahawks game when he got banged up, and I mean he just looked over his skis. So. And we all know that after midway through season, we don't have to worry about Arizona because they don't know how to win games after midway <laughs> well, through the season. Well, they certainly can't win in December. Cliff That's no doubt about that. Yeah. All right, uh, Aaron. Just for our radio audience, again, let's tease this uh, big show tomorrow coming up. In fact, big night on Fox because uh, Field of Dreams and then uh, Seahawks. Field of Dreams starts at four o'clock. Who's playing in the Field of Dreams game, by the way? Oh, it's the know? Reds the- and the. Oh, it's a bad matchup. <laughs> it's the Reds and like the. I just know. I mean, I is this heaven? If no, the Reds, that's all you need to know. If the Reds are involved, <laughs> it's a bad. Kevin, who's playing in that Field of Dreams game? You know that you're you're Mr. Baseball. Who's playing in that? That game? would be the Reds and the Cubs. Reds and the Cubs. Yikes. Okay, that's a that's a good that's matchup. Cubs like Fox it. Thirteen. Watch. Yeah, if it was like thirty years ago with the big red machine, and if it was like five years ago with the Reds, but I yeah. want to see <laughs> I want to see somebody dive for a ball diving into the cornfield. The cornfield. Yes. there you go. That's well, one hey, of the reasons why they don't have to steal anymore to start that game either. That's right. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, all right, so uh, after that. After got- the game, we got a one-hour special taking a look at the Seahawks, what they've done in training camp so far, and a look ahead to the three preseason games, the second of which at Lumen Field, at home against the Chicago Bears, on Fox 13 as well. And it's really going to kind of kick off uh, the long schedule of games that are on our air this season. Yeah, we're going nowhere. We're still around. Still hanging out. Curtis has got a bunch of stuff on the digital side as well. A lot of injury updates there from yesterday, and Pete Carroll saying Geno Smith starting the preseason opener. All right, so check that out. Uh, we'll take a break. Guys, uh, you make doing radio easy. If you want to do this every day, feel free to come on the <laughs> studio. All right, you got nothing else going on, right? Nothing, nothing much else going on. Free, totally. wide open. Uh, great to have you. That's Alyssa Charleston, Aaron Levine, and, of course, Curtis Crabtree. Uh, we're doing a lot together this year with Fox 13 here on 93.3 KJR FM, so we'll see these guys down the road. We'll turn them loose to go watch. Yes, football practice, just what you want to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something good coming up next, and uh, we may hear from Rashad Penny. We had a fun conversation with him yesterday. Maybe do that at 2 o'clock right here on 93.3 KJRFM. Back to the VMAC for Seahawks Training Camp. Brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino and First Tech Federal Credit Union. On your home for the 12th man, Seattle Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. Uh, back at uh, the Virginia Mason Athletic Center training camp. Uh, practice underway. Uh, Seahawks, no pass today. Uh, light workout. Uh, they'll do a walkthrough tomorrow and then fly to Pittsburgh afterwards. So kind of in that game week mode right now. Uh, Kevin, uh, back at the studio. We we somehow did it. We uh, have completed our tasks of simulcast doing radio on TV for the last uh, couple weeks. So I'm proud of you. Yeah. Well, we got through it. Oh, look. At, this is like a – it must be alumni. So Is it alumni day or what, huh? Alumni Day? We got Cliff Cliff Averill walked by a minute ago. Some guy that where's number fifty just walked by. What's up? Did you bring me some food? KJR? It is it's KJR, yes. KJR. <laughs> KJ right here. I didn't we haven't talked about this. It is interesting. The welcoming back of, you know, Richard Sherman, 
it doesn't surprise Cliff. You know, Cliff's been involved with some of these guys off-season training and things like that, defensive linemen specifically, Kev. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it seems like there's more of a concerted effort this year with Pete Carroll and his staff to bring these guys into the fold, get their feedback, you know, watch practice. I mean, KJ's been out here a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cliff's been out here. Last time I saw Cliff out here this much. Now, again, we've it's been weird because of COVID, but Cliff's been out here a ton. He's out here today. You know, kind of on the field, kind of just kind of on the periphery, talking to guys, and and then Richard Sherman being involved a little bit as well, which was really kind of curious to me, since here's a guy that you know was was kind of uh, on the outs on his way out. But so uh, is Marshawn coming soon too? Well, Marshawn's got his other issues to deal with right now, and I'll I'll be honest with you, this this particular talk show host is not going to joke about it, man, because that that was. If well, you saw that. No, I know you're not either. No, like I'm, that, but Ian, I'm, I bring that yeah. up because uh, yeah. I'm. You could make a pretty good argument that Sherm's issues recently are a lot worse than what Marshawn did. Yeah, they're right in there. It's because um, you know the only thing di- I guess you know what the only difference is Sherm didn't get uh, pulled over. Well, Sorry. from what I understand, Marshawn just sat down next to his car. Yeah, he was. He, did he actually get pulled at, over, or was at, he waiting well, for them to come? Well, he got he wrecked it. He couldn't go anywhere. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. I. Yeah, I, you know, whatever. Yeah, they're, it's they're, it's they're, not important, but right. They're both. It's, yeah, it's they're interesting. Both, they're both. Yeah, they're both. I I wonder what the Marshawn thing is. If that's going to have an effect on his new digital world that he's involved with. But yeah, bringing these guys back, getting their involved, getting their feedback is uh, it's kind of cool to see. It's like you know you hear that with college programs all the time, and the successful college programs they do bring guys back. You know, you know the ones that don't. You know, Jimmy Lake, uh, Tyrone Willingham. Uh, Nick Rolovich, those are the guys that I just come top of mind that weren't really embracing dudes coming back. I see Kalen DeBoer's already had a bunch of ex Huskies talk at practice. Uh, you know, talking to the the, uh, the Cougs, it sounds like Dickert is really trying to get guys. You know, he he wants to see the alums come back and you know give feedback. It's so important. And I think it's important at this level uh, as well. But uh, good to see KJ kind of walking out here, even though I'm starving. He didn't bring me food. He's got his own food. So. Uh, listen. So we had uh, Rashad Penny on yesterday uh, in the 1 o'clock hour. Really good conversation. Curtis, myself, Alyssa all had a chance to talk to, to Rashad Penny. And, you know, he's one of those big question marks, too. The question mark isn't, is there a skill set, is there a talent? The question mark's pretty simple. You know, can he stay healthy? Yeah. Because, uh, and I, I think before last year, there was a question. You know, he did have some success. If you look at some of the numbers, he had a couple games along the way. But, Kev... You know, it was more like, well, he can't stay healthy, and can he really? You know, is he really that good? Is he was he worth a first round pick? Well, you saw the skill set last year when he was healthy. Can he stay healthy this year? Still another question. So we'll talk to him, hear that conversation coming up in just a second. And don't forget, if you send a text in four nine four five one on the Tullamore text line, Kevin, when it's game time, Ian, it's Tully time. Uh, we'll play those coming up or read those coming up at about 2.30 today. Also, the talk back mic is available for you on the iHeartRadio app. Go to 93.3 KJRFM. Hit the little red uh, microphone and speak into that, and you can uh, give us your thoughts. And we'll try to play some of those on the air. I think Kevin's got a couple more from the M's from earlier today, so we'll get to all those coming up. I do indeed. At about two thirty today. What's that? I do indeed. Lots do of indeed. We, we got a good number of them. People, you know what, Ian? People are excited about the Mariners, and and they'll use that talkback mic when said host actually tells them to use it and where to go. <laughs> that would be me. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're doing you're doing the best you can, Ian. I am doing I'm, I'm living my best <laughs> life right now, friend. Okay, uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, don't forget Puck and Jim coming up today at 3 o'clock as we kind of juggle things around. But we're back to the VMAC next, 93.3 KJRFM.